Are you ready for this? Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. I'm Corey. I'm Logan. And we are here to go on the journey of life and leadership growth with you. Welcome to the Principles Podcast. principles with Corey and Logan. Guys, we are excited to uh, bring you our guest today. We have an entrepreneur's entrepreneur today. Uh, Chris Bennett, welcome to the call. Uh, welcome to the podcast, buddy. I appreciate it, Corey. Thank y'all for having me. Yeah. Well, Chris, I met you, uh, probably, I guess what, like two or three years ago, I guess through uh, business networking. Um, That's right. That's right. Two, uh, two, two and a half years ago. Yeah, about two two years or so ago, and uh, at that point, you had just opened up a landscaping business called COB uh, Lawn, and since then, man, I've, I've watched you grow that business. You partnered with Logan, and it's grown now to where you guys are making, uh, I mean, y'all are blowing and going, right? You've got three other businesses, you've got teams and you're developing leaders and, uh, man, it's, it's awesome to watch you guys grow. So, uh, tell us, um, for those people that don't know you, kind of give us a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today. All right. So, uh, let's see. I'm uh, from Tupelo. I grew up in Tupelo, but I was actually born in a small town called Pocahontas, Mississippi. Um, Pocahontas. It's between Yazoo City and Jackson. Um, When I was about two years old, uh, my mom moved to Tupelo. Uh, My dad um, turned to drugs and alcohol. And so um, their marriage kind of went south pretty quick. Um, and so we moved up here. We kind of bounced around between Pontotoc, Sautella, Tupelo. Um, my mom remarried, uh, that marriage, um, uh, she had another son. So that was my, uh, that was my third brother. Um, I have two older ones with my mom and dad. And then her second marriage, she had another son. Um, and that marriage as well was kind of toxic, um, some abuse in that one. So they divorced. Um, and then, uh, she was a single mom for, uh, I don't know, five, six years. And we just kind of lived in the outskirts of Tupelo. Um, and then she met my stepdad. Uh, they were together for 15 years or so. And then they, they separated and divorced, uh, after I got out of college and moved back home, um, they were together for a little while and I saw that things weren't good. So it was time for me to, to get going. I, I, I moved back home with the parents for a couple months to, uh, find a job, get on my feet, that kind of stuff. And then I saw it, it didn't look good. So, um, me and a buddy of mine, uh, rented my brother's house from him and lived there for a little while. But, um, Majority of my life, I was raised by a single mom, um, had an older brother that lived with us and a younger brother that lived with us. And uh, we were out in the yard playing every day. Um, and that's pretty much it was a simple life. You know, go outside and play, play in the yard, play in the dirt, get dirty and come in. So. So kind of curious, um, man, you, you kind of like 
kind of like me at an early age where you didn't really have that father figure in your life. And if so, there was kind of in and out. I, now I have a great stepdad, but at an early age, I didn't. Just curious, how has that kind of shaped you as a father? Now you've got two little girls of your own. I've seen you, I mean, you're, you're pouring into them and you're, you're there and you're present. Just curious how that may have shaped you as, as you want to father now two little girls. Yeah, it, it seemed like, uh, you know, I didn't have a relationship with my dad. Um, he, uh, you know, I, I've told Logan the story before. Every time I saw him, I had to meet him. So it's like, you know, every time I saw him, oh, hey, I'm Chris. I'm your son, by the way. Um, and because I didn't have that relationship, I didn't know him. I didn't know what he was interested in. Um uh, you know, I played sports my entire life, played base, competitive baseball. That's That was my thing. Um, I just, you know, every day I, I studied baseball, I played baseball. I played in, I don't know, probably 15 different states. Um, he never watched one game. I played in the uh, state all-star game, and mm -hmm. it was right there in his backyard. His entire family came to the game to watch me pitch in the in the Mississippi State All-Star game, but he was the one person that wasn't there. And it was just like, man, like, I'm right here in your backyard and you can't show up for me. Um, so, you know, and then it's – after that it was, you know, I had stepdads in and out and it, it kind of, you know, not to knock either one of them, um, but it was kind of like, you know, hey, son, I'm proud of you right now. Um, and so it was never really that that rock solid foundation behind me that was, hey, you know, you're supposed to do things like this. Hey, you treat people like this. Hey, this is what you're supposed to do in this situation. And so um, when I married my wife, uh, one thing that I told her was, if nobody else in this world knows that I love them and care about them, it's going to be my kids. Like my, my wife and my kids come before anything. They come before the business. Um, and Logan can, Logan can, uh, he can speak on that because, uh, like right now I don't leave the house until I put the kids to bed. Um, you know, I, I work hard all day long, but when I get home, unless you're really important to me, you, you know, you can wait until tomorrow because I have a, I have about a three to four hour window that I spend with my wife and kids every afternoon. And that's who gets that attention. But once the kids go to bed and once me and the wife hang out, you know, then I, uh, I open back up to the rest of the world. But, um, I think it was just not having those examples. I wanted to, I guess, overcompensate to make sure that my kids knew that, Hey, daddy's here and daddy's not going anywhere. And, you know, daddy's gonna daddy's gonna help you along the way. So um, that that's really what I picked up from it all. Um, I hate that I didn't have a relationship with my dad. Um, I hate that he went down the roads he went down. But um, you know, at an early age, I could have taken those same roads. But you know, I, I always knew dad's out there somewhere. But dad chose alcohol and drugs and you know, party and all that. And I knew that that's not where I wanted to be because there, there would end up being someone out there that didn't know me that should know me. Yeah. So that it, it really shaped me a lot. Yeah. And I've, I've 
seeing you uh, to make that commitment, right? Like, hey, this is the time with my, my wife and the kids. And that is, that is tough. That is tough. As an entrepreneur where, you know, the business is always running, right? <laughs> and people, um, entrepreneurs out there that are listening, it is tough for them to shut that off, right? Any advice to, to other, especially men, uh, I'm sure women deal with it too, but I know as a male entrepreneur, man, it is tough to shut that off. Any advice uh, to us guys as far as shutting it off and spending the time with the people that are most important with us? Yeah, so uh, I guess early in starting COB, um, you know, I'd go in and I'd work eight to 10 hours a day. I'd come home and I'd, I'd be on my phone texting customers or emailing back to, to clients and, um, you know, and then I, I would, I'd see my, at the time we, we just had Georgia. So I'd help, you know, feed Georgia, get her to bed. And then, uh, me and Livy would hang out for a little while and then, uh, she'd say, okay, Hey, look, I'm about to go to bed. And I'd say, all right, well, I'm getting out of bed because I'm going to go work on the computer and keep working on the business. Um, and then it got to a point where I guess it was year two of the business. Um, she just came to me one day and was like, Chris, the business can wait. She was like, this right now is the time you need to be spending with us. Like just be present the business is going to be okay. And, and it was hard for me to, it was hard for me to understand it at the time. Um, because I was the one that was, you know, I was scheduling the work. I was pricing the jobs. I was billing out all the customers. I was corresponding to every customer. I was making sure equipment was fixed. I was making sure we had everything filled up with gas and, you know, it, it was just a whole lot. And, um, you know, and she, she had to remind me that several times, Hey, look, you know, the, it's all right. The business can wait until tomorrow morning. The business can wait. It's going to be okay. So then I, I started spacing it out to doing it. You know, I would wait, you know, and do everything in, in one night I would, I would sacrifice one night and I'd stay up as late as I needed to and get it all done in one night. And then as the business continued to grow and then Logan, um, came in with us. Uh, that's, that was his expertise was all the things that I was having to stay up to do. And so, um, he started picking, um, that responsibility up and it was just like, Oh man, there's a, there's a huge weight off my shoulders. Um, so, you know, I would give the advice of, you know, if it's the, the small things that are, they're still very, very important. However, you can make all that money that you want to make, but if you don't have those relationships with your wife and with your kids, what hit me the hardest was one day my daughter came to me and said, Daddy, you're always working. Daddy, can we go play? Can you just put your phone down? From that day forward, it was over with. Like, I, you know, I, I love our customers. I love our clients, but at six o'clock in the afternoon, they're at their house with their family. Why can't we be at the house with our family? And so I finally had to change my mindset of, you know, these people, they may work a, a eight to five a nine to five. They may work, you know, six to two, whatever their hours are. Um, we're one of those industries where it's pretty much like you're working until you're tired. 
um, because there's plenty of work out there. I mean, you can work sun up to sun down and still not get everything done, but you have to have that shutoff point at, at some time because you can't run yourself you can't run yourself sun up to sun down every single day and provide the quality of work you want to provide, but also you can't do that and spend the quality time that you need to spend with the people at home. And so when, when, uh, when my daughter came to me and told me that I was always on my phone working, um, that really, that really hit hard. And so then I really started making changes. So now it's look, by the time I get home, you know, you might catch me at 5.05 and my kids and wife haven't made it home yet. And I'll respond to a text message or I'll answer a phone call and line something up for the next day. But most of the time you're going to get my, you're going to get my voicemail and I'll call you back the next morning because that's my time to be with my little girls and my wife. Um, I just, um, I put a high importance on that because that's, uh, you know, what they see me do is what they're going to think is okay. And, um, you know, me having daughters, the the behavior I show them, they're going to think it's okay for their husband to show them. Right. And I don't want my wife, I don't want my daughter to, to, to be married and feel like, well, my husband has left me and he's always working and, you know, it's, and, and, you know, she ended up not being happy forever. So, um, th- there's a fine balance, but I I will have to say there's, there's sacrifices early in the year. Me and Logan talked a lot about the sacrifices um, when I was first getting everything started. Um, you know, he he's been in the he's been in the picture longer than uh, longer than what everybody knows. He he really did a lot of uh, I would say a lot of probably counseling and advising and pushing um, early in the phases. Um, he brought a lot to the table. Uh, just having conversations with me and bringing up ideas and uh, you know, and one of the things he talked about was that balance. You got to have that balance. And um, so I, I try to keep that balance because it's pretty important. Yeah, that's right. And making it a priority, it sounds like. And I, one, one other thing, and I know Logan's got tons of questions <laughs> he wants to jump in with too, but, um, and I was in the same position. You got to get those priorities, right? We were at a point, one time we had our PT clinic, we had a gym and I was working from uh, five in the morning to like eight o'clock at night. And I remember I was about to leave our house at four 30 to go do a coaching um, coach, one of our CrossFit classes. And our oldest son at that time was three. And he said, daddy, you going to your house? And it hit me. that has been way too much time away from the house. And like you, you know, made that decision and <laughs> it changes everything. It does. For me though, it's still a constant reminder. I have to remind myself cause I like to work. So I'm the same way. And, and I have to, you know, there are times where I still, you know, I'll walk in the house and, you know, maybe I'm talking back and forth with somebody over something for, you know, hours, you know, a couple hours and I walk in the house and, you know, one of my little girls will grab me and say, daddy, let's go play this phone just got locked and it's in the pocket. I'm not, you know, Hey, let's go, let's go do what you want to do. Yeah. So. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So a few, a few things from the beginning of, of that, that, it, uh, we need to definitely stop and unpack. Um, so one is, um, like Corey talks about a lot, 
um, experience is not the best teacher. Evaluated experience is the best teacher. And we can learn that from making mistakes ourselves, or we can learn that from watching our parents make mistakes or peers make mistakes uh, or whoever it may be. Uh, so it's, you know, success leaves clues and the people that do really well tend to learn well from other people's mistakes. Um, so I think one thing that speaks to where Chris is at today is he didn't have to go make the same mistakes that his, that his father made. He was able to learn from those and implement and avoid those pitfalls. Um, another thing that is a common thread in your story, Corey, and in Chris's is um, having a supportive spouse. Um, you know, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if Kim didn't push you and say, hey, you've talked about doing a podcast. I think you'd be good at it. And I think it would be fulfilling and val valuable for other people. Here's your present. It's a podcast microphone. Um, you know, Chris leaving a corporate job with a comfortable salary and great benefits and all of the worldly security that we look for in a job, um, I think felt really um, motivated and um, at a place where he really needed to compensate heavily for leaving that by producing uh financial security for the family after he was out on his own and having that positive push from a spouse to say, Hey, the business is going to be okay. Let's spend some time together. goes a long way for a one year in entrepreneur that's trying to make ends meet. Um, having that, having that vote of confidence and then also having that, um, Hey, we're, this is a priority for everybody too, not just the finance side. Um, so I think those are, are pretty important nuggets to make sure that we, that we harvest. Um, so we touched on the, the childhood growing up, um, a lot of instability. Um, but what are some of the positives that you pulled from your childhood that you use on a daily basis now that have helped you to be successful, whether as a, as a parent or as a business owner? So, um, I believe as a parent, um, I didn't have that fatherly love all day, every day, you know, um, I didn't, I didn't have that, you know, you, you get home from school and you ask your kids, Hey, what'd you learn today? How was your day at school? What'd, what'd y'all do? Um, twice this week, uh, Georgia has that they're making hats at school this week. So, uh, yesterday they made a hat and it was, you know, the newspaper hats that are real pointy and they've got, you know, they fold the ends of it. So this morning we go to put her in the, in the car and, uh, Livy was going to take the girls to school. And she says, daddy, 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 I made you this hat. I said, did you? She said, yeah, you promised me you're going to wear it to, to work today. I said, baby girl, I'm gonna wear it all day long. I put it on top of my head. She painted it green. So I, I just want you to know this thing is like, you know, a foot and a half tall, um, painted solid green on newspaper. And she looked at me and said, it's your protector hat to keep the sun off your head and ears. <laughs> and so like, you know, I didn't have those interactions with a father growing up. Um, today I pick her up from school and she had made another hat and it said chef Georgia on it. 
and they made chef hats at school. And she was like, daddy, 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 look at this cool hat. Um, and so like just being present with them, um, just seeing how innocent they are, um, and just loving every little moment. Uh, you know, I have girls, they love Barbies. They love playing with makeup and glitter and paint fingernails. Well, guess what? Daddy gets his fingernails painted. You know, it's, if that's what they want, that's what we do. Logan gets his fingernails painted too. So don't let him slide out on it. (laughs) Um, and so it's, you know, just those, those moments there, I've learned that, you know, I, I could, I could make all the money in the world, but I couldn't buy those moments. So as a parent, that's, um, that's invaluable to me is, is just being able to, you know, have those moments and talk through the days with them. Um, as a, you know, as a, as a business owner, uh, so my stepdad, um, my last stepdad, um, came into a, uh, a wealth of money. Um, I lost a stepbrother. Um, he, he was electrocuted at pizza hut. Um, my stepdad came into a lot of money, um, and decided he's always done dirt work construction. So, uh, he, but he, he was working for somebody else. So when, when, when he got all this money, he decided I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to work for myself. The mistake he made was he never went to work. So he went and bought brand new John Deere excavators and bulldozers and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. Every piece of equipment, like if you could get an ultimate startup kit, (laughs) he had it. Pretty toys. Yeah, he had it. Yeah. The problem was the work ethic wasn't there. And I'm not knocking him. I've had the conversation with him several times. You know, it's, if you're not going to go to work, then you're not going to get where you want to be. But I saw it over and over and over again. And and at that time, you know, I was, you know, I was in middle, uh, middle school going into, you know, um, you know, seventh, eighth grade and on into high school and then into college. And I watched my parents, um, you know, we were, look, my parents, my parents worked two to three jobs a piece to keep, you know, five boys fed and keep the lights on in the house. We didn't have all the fancy toys at Christmas time. We didn't have all that stuff, but we had a big family and we loved each other and we were happy. We were happy poor. So when, when all the money came into play, you know, it was like, Oh man, we're getting these, you know, these nice things and they're shiny and you know, all this cool stuff. And, um, so, you know, we're like, Oh man, this is awesome. It's like Christmas every day. Um, and then he bought all this equipment and he started going out on his own and, you know, he was picking up a lot of business. I mean, a lot of people knew him. His work is great. Uh, the quality of work is excellence. Um, <clears throat> but then it was, I think he kind of got to the point where he's like, well, you know, I know I have this money. Um, I don't really have to go to work every day. And so it kind of, you know, slipped and slid into a different mindset. Well, within 10 years, these, 
these millions and millions of dollars. I remember the phone call my last year of college. My, my mom calls me and says, Hey, Chris, you're going to have to slow down on spending. I was like, mom, what are you talking about? She's like, you need to slow down a little bit. And I was like, mom, wait, first of all, I don't, I don't even spend, like I don't spend a whole lot. And she's like, no, like the money's gone. And those words ringing, I can still hear them to this day. The money is gone. And I was like, what do you mean the money's, how is that even possible? I know, I know how much money there was. How is that? You know, it's just mind boggling that that much money in 10 years has just disappeared. Um, we had to sell, you know, they had to sell the business. They had to sell the farm. They had to sell everything. Like the only thing we kept was the house and it was sold after I moved home from college. So, you know, just going from nothing, I'm talking about absolutely nothing to where a hockey, uh, a hockey stick on Christmas morning. So you can play, you know, roller hockey in the streets is like, man, I've hit the jackpot <laughs> to having anything under the sun you can ask for. And then going back to having to work, my parents had to go back to work for a paycheck every day. Um, seeing that happen. Uh, that was another thing that just kind of, you know, set in my mind that I will never put my family in a position where we struggle we're at the top of the mountain and then we fall off the mountain i don't care how hard i have to work i don't care how much we have to work but once we get going we're going to continue to drive and we're going to continue to push because i think if that would have been the mindset when i was growing up in the household then the money would have lasted but it was hey i've got plenty of money we can do whatever we want and you know it just it goes to show that, you know, fast money leaves even faster. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I just believe that everything we work hard for, we're going to earn it, but we're also going to take care of it so that, you know, we're not working this hard forever. Um, Stewards, because, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to go back to, you know, I don't want to go back to working, um, you know, when I'm 65 and 70, I don't want to have to work to pay the light bill. Yeah. Like I'm working now to pay the light bill for then. Yeah. Um, hopefully if it all works out, but that's the game plan and I'm going to keep pushing and driving that, that direction. So I think I learned uh, work ethic because it used to drive me crazy. My stepdad would say, Hey, look, we're going to leave at eight o'clock in the morning. I'd get up, I'd get dressed. I'd be on the couch sitting by the door at 8 a.m. And 9.30 rolls around, and he finally comes walking out of the bedroom, and I'm like, man, where you been? Like, I thought we were leaving out. Can I clock in an hour and a half ago? Like, <laughs> you told me we were leaving at 8. Um, so, like, I, you know, if I tell the guys, hey, look, we're starting at 7.30, 7.30 start time. Yeah. You know, if, if, if I'm going to be a couple minutes late, I'm, I'm calling the crew leader saying, hey, look, y'all leave without me. I'm coming. Um, and I'll meet them on the job site, but, uh, work ethic, I, I picked that up, um, growing up and through my childhood and, and just seeing all the things that I've experienced, uh, the two biggest things I've could have, I could have learned and implemented in my life was work ethic and taking care of my children. Yeah. 
you and I have talked a little bit about, you know, um, you hear these stories about people who win the lottery, right? And then, I mean, it's millions of dollars. And then just years later, they're bankrupt, right? And it's, it's because gone. although they have millions, they haven't become a millionaire, right? And you see somebody who's actually become a millionaire. They internally become that millionaire and something happens and it wipes them out. Well, they're not worried about it because they they are a millionaire and they can get that uh, millionaire back, right? They can get it back. I'm curious to for you though, seeing that going through the ups and downs on the roller coaster, right? What what's your relationship with money like? Like, what do you think about money? I don't care about money. <laughs> I don't. I have I have no attachment to money. It doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. Um, and and it's. You know, it's, it's kind of, um, we, my, my parents had more money than, than, than most people in Mississippi could dream of having. And so seeing, see, uh, there were times we had seven vehicles in the driveway and four drivers in the house. And it's like, man, why, why do we have three extra vehicles? That's just ignorant. Like why do, why are there extra vehicles here? Only, only four of us can drive. Smart choices, guys. Let's go. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that, look, there's not even seven people that live in the house. Why, why do we have all these vehicles? Um, you know, it was stuff like that and, you know, taking trips, taking trips and then, you know, picking up the tab for 40, 50 people. And it's like, wait a minute those people work too. Like, I mean, I get it like treating people, but uh, my parents would, my parents, my dad, my stepdad played that uh, uh, grown men softball <laughs> and he, and he, and he sponsored every team he ever played on. Um, and he took them down to Clearwater, Florida every year. He paid for the hotels. He paid for all the meals. He paid for the flights. He paid for everything. So every single year he had more and more guys saying, Hey, I want to play on your team. Yeah. I want to play for you. Sign me like, up. Yeah. Sign me up. You know, y'all have nice uniforms and bats and all kinds of, so it was just for me now, money is just, money is just a, a means of, of providing the, the home that my family needs, uh, providing the tools that we need for the business. Um, you know, I, I would do what I would do what what I'm doing now for for much less um, because you know and, and my wife's not my wife feels the same way she's not crazy about money either you know we want nice things but um, we don't just we don't go throw money around I mean it's <laughs> my my wife gets upset when we have a two hundred dollar grocery bill, and I'm like, "Hey, look, we got to have the grapes and strawberries this week." You know, <laughs> like I'm sorry, we're not cutting them out. Bailey needs blueberries. Yeah, Bailey needs blueberries, and Georgia wants some strawberries, and and you know, we got to have some extra bananas at the house. Uh, so Uncle Logan's gonna steal. Yeah, them. Uncle Logan's gonna come over and take <laughs> y'all's bananas for the protein shakes. Um, so I don't I don't have I don't have any feelings towards money. I'm not one of those people where I'm like you know what? I'm working every day to see how much money I can make. Um, I get to a point where I'm comfortable with what I'm making and I'm, and I'm good with it. And then as the business grows, then I'm good with growing that with the business to set up for the future. But I'm not, 
that by no means am I in love with money. I, you know, I don't, I'm not worried about all that. It's a tool to make an impact, right? That's right. That's right. I, you know, I've, uh, Logan, uh, we talked about it. What was it? Two years ago. There's this lady, uh, came into a gas station prepaid for some gas. She was at the wrong pump. So somebody else had pulled up, um, and pumped her gas that she prepaid for. And then she had to leave because she got a phone call from a daughter or something. And when she returned, I was still in the, I was still in the gas station and she was coming back to tell them that she got a phone call to leave. And, um, and I, I saw the whole thing happen and they were sitting there saying, well, ma'am, I'm all I can tell you is that gas was pumped on that, on that pump. And she was like, I know somebody else pumped it. I had to leave. She was like, I just want to get my $20 of gas. And, and so I, I looked at the lady behind the register and I was like, look, just give her the gas, just give her the gas. And I was trying to be real quiet about it. And the lady was like, huh? It's like, look, okay, look here, give this lady $20 on, of gas on whatever pump she's at. And like, let's just get over this. Um, so like, I would rather, like you said, make an impact. I'd rather use my money to, to impact somebody else's life because seeing somebody that, that doesn't have a whole lot or that maybe they're just having a bad day, but you know, you, you know, and I'm not saying use your money to, to make them happy because I don't believe in buying happiness either, but like it made that lady's day for that $20 tank of gas. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm a pretty generous person when it comes to seeing somebody that's, you know, struggling or whatever. Like if I can help you by all means, I'm going to help you. Um, I, I don't, I don't try to keep it for myself because that there's no point in that. Yeah. I, um, I would like to get into the entrepreneur side for a second, but I don't think there's any way we can leave, uh, making an impact. And I don't think there's any way we can leave uh, fatherhood and those kind of things without talking about your daughter, Bailey, right? So, right. I mean, you guys, you adopted this little girl, right? And I'd love for you to talk about that story right there. And I mean, the, the impact that if you guys didn't, right, where would she be at? And, and now the life that you you've set her up for, right? I mean, you've right. changed her trajectory in life, you know, and tell us about that process. So we, um, let's see, Bailey has been with us for two and a half years. Um, so we fostered her, uh, through DHS. Um, my wife came to me one day, um, you know, after we had Georgia, Livy wanted to, um, she wanted to look into adoption. Um, we didn't have a great pregnancy. Uh, the doctors just kind of warned us that, Hey, the next one may be worse. You may not have any issues, but you may have issues. Um, and so she's always wanted to adopt her and Sadie, um, had a, uh, exchange student friend growing up and Logan you're right there in the mix of all that. Um, and so Livy's wanted to adopt her entire life since she was like 15. Um, and so we looked into adoption. 
um, at the time we weren't in a place where we could adopt. Um, and so one of Livy's friends approached her and asked her about fostering. And she came home one day and said, Hey, what do you think about this? I said, Hey, look, I'm all for it. If we can, you know, change a child's life or just love a child for, you know, two, three, four months, six months, whatever it is, then yeah, let's do it. About a week later, she texted me and said, Hey, I just submitted our foster application. I said, okay, awesome. So um, about a month later, we get a call saying, Hey, we're approved. And we had to go through the classes and all that. So we got everything straightened out and um, we were on vacation or actually Sadie and Livy were on vacation. Um, and me and Logan were going down later in the week and uh, Livy calls me and says, Chris, Chris, I just got a phone call. Um, it's a little baby girl. She's six months old. Um, can we take her? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. You know, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, she said, the only problem is I'm in Florida. You're in Tupelo. Um, and I don't know if they'll wait for us. And so she calls back in and they decide they'll wait and let us get, get off a of vacation and come back. And so we got one weekend with her to let her come stay the night with us. And, um, we were telling Georgia about it. Hey, Georgia, you're going to have a, you're going to have a new baby sister. And when they showed up with Bailey for us to keep her for the weekend, Georgia ran to the door. My sister's here. My sister's here. Y'all come on. My sister's here. And I'm talking about Georgia was trying to pull her out of the car seat, just wanting to play with her. Um, so we had a great weekend. And the, the one thing we were afraid of was how is Georgia going to react with another child in the house? Um, but she absolutely loved her. I mean, it was, um, meant it was meant to be. Um, and so we fostered her, um, and they, they came to us several months into it and asked if we'd be interested in adoption, if it went to that. And we said, yes, absolutely. Um, and so eventually it went into, uh, an adoptive case. Um, and so October, October of last year, we adopted her. Um, and so she is now legally, uh, Bailey Catherine Bennett. Um, she is the, I tell people she can be the sweetest and meanest little girl all at the same time. I mean, she's a, she's a rambunctious ball of joy. Um, and, and she can, she can go in for it. She can go in for a hug and a kiss and pinch you on the back of the arm, uh, all at once. Um, so for all the little boys out there, when, when, when it comes around for her, I'm not going to have to tell them anything. She, she'll take care of it. Um, got it covered. Yeah, she's got it covered. So, so Georgia and Bailey get along great. They love each other. Um, and, and crazy story is <clears throat> with all the stuff that's going on right now, you know, that they don't even know about, you know, the stuff that's on the news, the, you know, the, the killings and all that. Um, George, uh, Livy's been having conversations with, with Georgia and just asking her, um, you know, Hey, uh, like tonight she, uh, she said, she asked her about, um, Georgia, you know, you, you know, you you and your sister, um, you and your sister are different, different skin tones, right? 
She says, yeah, mom, I know that. She said, just like I'm little and there's some big kids. <laughs> and, and she was like, well, yeah, you're right. And she said, mama, it's okay. God made us all different. I'm a little bit lighter and Bailey's just a little bit darker, but we're still sisters and that's how I want it to be. Mm. And so, you know, you, you look at that and it's like, you know, it's in their eyes. Everybody is here for the same reason. We're all the same. And there's going to be conversations that we have to have with Bailey one day. Um, but right now we're riding it out. We love it. It took us a long time to figure out how to do her hair. <laughs> We've got that figured out now. So, so we're rocking and rolling, but them two, I'm telling you, they think they look alike. They talk alike. They, they think they're the same age. They think they're the same size. Um, and everywhere one of them goes, the other one is shadowing right behind her. Um, so just watching them, um, it, it's been a blessing to me and Livy, uh, because it's, you know, it's it just seeing the innocence of it. Um, just knowing that, you know, Bailey could be, you know, she could be in a, in a completely different environment. She could be in a, in a different, you know, town or state or, she could be set on a different path. Um, and we were, we were blessed enough to be able to adopt her and show her the love that she needed. Um, you know, we, we talk, we communicate with her mom. Um, we, we, during the foster process, we, we tried to foster her mom as well and get her involved and, uh, go on dinner dates and we took her, uh, to get her ears pierced and, um, her, her mother had a second child. And so we went and picked her mother up and brought her over to the house and with a, with a new baby and, um, let everybody hang out then. And it's a hard thing for her mom to deal with. And we knew that. And so we tried to involve her as well. Um, because we didn't want her to feel like she's losing this child because Bailey needs to know where she, you know, where she came from, who her family is. Uh, because one of these days she's going to ask us and I'm not going to keep her from her family. And my wife agrees. My wife's not going to keep her from her family. Um, when that day comes and she wants to be reunited with her family, then great. Like that's just going to double the size of her family. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's not that, yes, we're probably able to provide a lot of things, um, but we're, we don't want her to ever turn her back on where she came from. She don't, we don't want her to turn her back on, you know, who her mom is or who her grandparents are or cousins or aunts or uncles or anything like that. She needs to know them um, because one day – you know, they're going to have family gatherings and they're going to have family Christmases and Thanksgivings. And they have to deal with that every single year. Yeah. You know, they're, they're family newer. Um, so they're, you know, it's, they're, they're grieving uh, every holiday because Bailey's not with them. And one day we, we hope that she can spend that time with them again. Um, and, and she can celebrate life with them. So, um, 
she's uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna strive for that and hopefully have a big party one day with her family and ours that's right hey i, I pulled up real quick uh a post your wife made on facebook about um about the skin color and those kind of things i she posted it yesterday. I'm going to read it real quick because I thought it was really good. And uh, she said, uh, Georgia and her were talking about um, kind of the skin color. And said she asked her, he said, um, and Georgia properly said, I know she's brown, but my church friends say that she's black. But for a lack of response, she asked her how that made her feel. That's what your wife said. And she said, uh, she was kind of giving her the, the eyebrows. And she said, it doesn't matter. We're the same. We just don't match arms, right? I thought that was <laughs> That's it. That's it. We just don't match arms. Yeah, I, I thought that was great, right? So, good stuff. Well, let's jump into some entrepreneur stuff real quick, if, if you guys are good with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, do you mind? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, kind of going, going back, you're in, you're in college, and you're playing ball uh, at a pretty high level. Um, and decide to to try to pursue that at the next level. So we've talked about a lot of the successes. Um, so kind of kind of tell us a little bit about pursuing that to the next level, and then where the end of the road of of baseball happened, and then how you transitioned into the working world and and the career path from there. Okay, so um, I was at Bellhaven. That's where I graduated. Um, I was there uh, pursuing a business and finance degree. Um, my first love was baseball. So obviously I was trying to, you know, everybody, I think, uh, or at least for me, uh, my dream was playing major league baseball growing up. I was that, you know, little seven-year-old, eight-year-old saying, you're going to watch me on TV one day. Um, and so, you know, in high school, I, I stood out. Um, I did well in junior college. I finally realized, wait, there's a whole lot more guys out there that are just as good or even better than me. Um, I, I had some success, but I also had, uh, several failures, um, with baseball in junior college, uh, had an elbow surgery. And then I went on to Bellhaven, um, and I, I, you know, I was a starting pitcher my whole life. And then I get to Bellhaven, they want to put me in the bullpen. And I was like, whoa, wait, whoa, <laughs> whoa, wait a minute. I'm not good at this. You know, I've never come out of the bullpen to, to pitch after somebody. I've always been the star. Um, and so I, I had to learn that. And um, my, let's see, my, my first year there, I came out of the bullpen in some pretty crazy situations and had success. The next year I went into being a, a midweek starter, um, did good there. And then they kind of transitioned me back into the bullpen and then back out as a midweek starter and back into the bullpen. So I went back and forth all year. And then, uh, that year we, um, we hosted the, the, uh, regional tournament. <clears throat> um, I came in, I came in, uh, relieved a couple games, did really well. We went on to the next tournament, um, and I came in. Our closer came into the game, walked three batters straight. And then uh, I came in, no outs, bases loaded, three balls on this guy, 
and um we were up by we were up by one so i struck this guy out the first guy struck him out second guy i got him to pop up to the infield third guy ground ball we get out we still win so we move on to the world series i pitch against uh lubbock texas it was the second – so the, the first game of the World Series, we played a team out of California, and they weren't that good, and we got beat. And I was mad because I I, I hated losing more than I love winning. Um, and so the next day, uh, wake up the next morning, we're in the hotel getting some breakfast, and Coach walks up. It's like, hey, Bennett, you're starting today. Wait a minute, Coach, I hadn't started a game in like nine weeks. He's like, well, you're starting today. So, okay, let's go. So we get out there. We win that game, so we're hanging on. And then we get beat by uh, – I can't remember that time. I think they were out of Kentucky. But we get beat by them, and we go home. So it's like, all right, guys, look, we made it to the World Series. First time in school history, great. We made – you know, we set records. Hoorah. But we didn't win it. Like, this is not what I came for. Um, so then coach gets a phone call. There's an independent team, um, out of Louisiana. Um, and they're looking for a rookie starter. And there was another guy on the team. Coach talked to me and him both and was like, Hey, look, they're looking for a rookie starter. You guys need to go. That guy decided not to. Um, he was moving back home and starting his career. And I was like, well, you know what? I'll go coach where I got to be. And when do I have to be there? And he's like, Hey, no, look, you're packing everything you own in your car tonight. He said, because after your tryout, you're going to know if you made it or not. If you made it, you're playing tomorrow night. And I was like, Oh wait, like this is, this is serious. (laughs) And so I, man, I had this, I remember I had, (laughs) I had this little Saturn car. My wife still makes fun of me for driving this car. To, the, to this day, um, this little Saturn car, it was an L200 or L300 old, and it was beat up and raggedy, and I pack everything I own in this car. So I drive down to Boozer, Louisiana, and I have a tryout. I thought I did decent. Um, it by far was not my best performance, but I drove like five hours down there get right out of the car, go out there, stretch, throw a bullpen, walk through the walk through the locker room with the coaches and the managers and um, get to his office. And he's like, son, I'm sorry. We're looking for a veteran closer. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You're looking for a veteran closer? Wait, sir. You told my coach you're looking for a rookie starter, not a veteran closer. I wouldn't have come down here because I know I'm not a closer and I'm not a veteran. <laughs> so um, so I was pretty bitter about that, um, A, because I didn't make it. Uh, and that was the probably the biggest failure of my career was not making it to the next level. I had no problem making it to junior college. I had no problem making it to NAI. Um, but then – going from NAIA into, you know, some sort of farm system or independent system that could get you into the majors or minors or triple A's, double A's, single A's, anything. Um, 
I hit that brick wall. And so I was upset about it. I got my, I packed, I packed up my ball bag, walked out to the parking lot. I changed clothes in the parking lot. I'm in the parking lot of this, this stadium and I'm just out there stripping down. I'm so, I'm so mad. I'm changing clothes. I get back in the car. I GPS Tupelo, Mississippi. And I called my mom and I said, mom, I'm on the way home. I'll be there in about nine hours. She was like, nine hours? Where have you been? I was like, oh, well, I drove to Louisiana this morning to try out for an independent team. They told me I wasn't good enough. I'm coming home. You can have my cleats. I'm burning my glove. I'm done with baseball. I'm never looking back. And she was like, just, Chris, hold on. I was like, nope. I'm done with it. I'm going to work. If baseball's not going to pay the bills, something's got to pay the bills. So I'm coming home and I'm going to work. So I drive all the way home and uh, start looking for jobs. So my, my dream job at the time when I was in college was I wanted to work for a bank um, and didn't know what I wanted to do for the bank. I knew I wanted to be you know, upper management for a bank. So I start applying and everybody's like, Oh no, look, you don't have experience. You need to, you know, go, go apply for a credit company. And I was like, credit, like a finance company. They're like, yeah, go to a finance company first. And I was like, okay, cool. So I go to, <laughs> I go to tower loans and all the other small ones in town and I'm putting in applications. I'm walking in there with slacks and a button up on and they look at me and they're like, man, you don't have any experience. You're fresh out of school. And I was like, yeah, I know, but I have a finance degree. Like, What can, year is this? This is 2000. This is 2011. So this is very short post financial crisis. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 100%. <laughs> and so I'm walking in tower loans and tower loans won't give me a job. And, you know, cash for cash for checks or cash for titles won't give me a job. And I'm like, man, look, y'all don't understand how much I know. Like I may not know your system, but I know some stuff, you know? And so I couldn't get a job. So I was playing grown man softball in a park and rec league here in Tupelo. And one of my stepdad's buddies um, slid down the bench one night at a game. was like, Hey man, you found a job yet? It's like, no, I hadn't. I'm doing construction work with a, with a business degree. And he's like, well, I'll tell you what, won't you come work for me? And I was like, doing what? He said, security. So what do you mean security? He was like, security guards. And I was like, like managing the security guards. Like I can probably do that. He's like, yeah, but here's the kicker. You need some experience. first. <laughs> you need some experience first. And I was like, wait, 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 you want me to be a security guard? And he was like, man, you got to start somewhere. And I was like, dude, I don't know anything about security. He was like, Oh, we'll teach you everything. He said, but I promise you within a year and a half, I can have you in management. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, well, I can either go do construction for another year and a half and still not move up anywhere. Or I can go be a security guard for a year and a half. And if it works out, I'm in management. And I was like, then that gives me management experience. So with my business and finance degree, I apply for Securitas uh, Security Services. I get a job making seven twenty-five an hour. Jackpot. Jackpot. Get that roller coaster open. <laughs> hey, hey, we're on the we're on the climb. Like 
this is the the path for a millionaire making seven twenty five an hour night shift, and so I I took the job, um, and I'm over here with thirty thousand dollars of of student loan debt, making seven twenty five an hour, working night shift. And within, you know, about three months, I move up to lead officer. So I go from security officer at night to lead officer working second shift. So I bump up to like $9 an hour. I was like, okay, I got a raise. Three months later, I bump up again to, uh, to site supervisor and I'm making like $11 an hour. And the whole time I'm just like, man, I can't even like, can't get ahead. So, You're up 50% at this point. Hey, you know, like we're, we're rocking and rolling now. I'm still driving the little Saturn car and it's like about to blow up on me. Paid for. It's paid for. It's paid for. Uh, just everything kept breaking. So I had to put, had to put money in repairs. But, um, so then I started dating Libby. Uh, and at this point, um, we didn't really discuss my career a whole lot. Like there's nothing cute or there's nothing cool about this guy's trying to go somewhere, but he's a, you know, he's a security guard at MTD and he's only, we hope. Yeah. 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 Maybe he's going to grow out of this. Um, so I, I started dating her and she, she was in nursing school. She wasn't trying to get real serious for two reasons. I didn't have a career and she hadn't graduated nursing school yet. So um, she was doing a lot of studying and all that. So I was fine with it because I knew I had to go somewhere before I was going to get her to, to, to really be interested. Um, and so about a year into, into this job, um, I started training for field service manager. Um, so I would work like, three days a week out in the field managing one location. And then I would ride around with the other manager, the branch manager at the time for two days, learning all the other 35 locations that they managed. And so I don't know if that was really a move of, Hey, you know, I'm going to make you feel like you're really getting there because it just felt like it was being, you know, drug out a really long time. Um, but when they brought me into the office to finally give me the field service manager position, the area vice president from Jackson drove up to let me know that they're doing away with that position. And I was like, man, what is this? I got, all right. Now I I'm almost a year and a half into this. It's a little restructuring. Yeah. And, and y'all are telling me the position that I want is now going away. They're like, yeah, 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 but this is what we're going to do. We're going to move you into the office permanently because one of the other branch managers was about to retire. The company was restructuring. They were doing away with that field service position and creating, they were splitting the branch in half and creating two branch managers. I said, okay, so I hung in there another four months or so, and uh, sure enough, a year and a half, uh, a year and a half, maybe one extra month I was offered a branch manager position. And so, um, I took the job by this time I knew how to do the job already because I'd had four months of training. So I took the job, walked right in, you know, fit in with everybody in the office, all the people in the field, all the security officers under me already knew me 
So they felt comfortable with me. Um, but the company dropped about three and a half, maybe $5 million of business in my lap. I was like, okay, this is your piece of the pie to manage. And so I had, um, starting out, I had about probably 80 to 90 security officers working for me. Um, and the revenue stayed between three and a half to 5 million. Now, later on into my career, um, I became senior branch manager. And then I oversaw, there was another branch manager under me, an HR manager under me. And then it was 250 security guards under, under them um, with 40 client locations. And uh, I think the highest the revenue got at any given time was about 7 million. Um, and so I had mine that I had to manage directly, but I had to indirectly manage the other branch manager and all of his security officers and all of his money. Um, so I just kind of had to make sure all the pieces were fitting together right, make sure we were hitting marks and uh, staying within budget and growing the business. And um, so I did that for, oh, I guess about a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, applied for, I applied for an area vice president position. I got beat out by a guy in Memphis. Um, that guy had a little more sales experience than me, not quite as much management experience, but they were looking to grow at the time. So they went with the guy with the sales experience. Six months later, they came in, got rid of that guy. I reapplied. Um, and at the time, the, um, the, oh, what was, uh, it, I guess he would have been then, um, he was the CEO of the company. He came down and then the president of our region came down and the VP of HR came down to Nashville and we had to go up there. But the weird thing was they told us we had a meeting up there as an area, but they were bringing the big wigs in from big corporate and I'm a little smarter than the rest of them. I'm sitting here thinking they're not bringing the CEO. They're not bringing VP of HR and they're not bringing the president in for a meeting for just our area. It just doesn't happen. That's why they have an area vice president. So when we show up in Nashville, my area vice president is nowhere to be found in the building. And I was like, Oh my gosh, y'all I'm telling you right now, they've done fired this guy. He's gone. If he's not here, he's gone. I'm telling you, they fired him. And sure enough, they announced it to us. Well, we had to let so-and-so go today. Um, so his position's back open. And so they pulled me to the side and asked me about the job. And I was like, yeah, I'm interested in it. And they're like, oh, well, we didn't know you were interested. So wait a minute. Six months ago, I just uh, uh, applied for it, made it to the final two. And I interviewed and I pointed at the guy that I interviewed with. I said, I interviewed with you. How, did you, how, do, you, how do you not know I'm not interested. And he's like, well, I mean, I just didn't think you'd be interested this time. We've already hired somebody. I was like, oh, okay. And, and, and the, the president of the area looked at me, he said, you thinking about quitting? And I said, yeah, 
I sure am. I said, I've been thinking about it for a while. I said, I just hadn't pulled the trigger. And he sat there in that office and told me I had no better opportunity for myself than to own my own business and make $130,000 a year. I said, okay. I said, well, for the last five years that I've been with your business, running your business and doing well for you, I've also been mowing yards on the side that I never let interfere. You never knew about it. And it was always off the clock from you. Um, so I'm just going to take this little business and I'm going to blow it up. And he just looked at me. He said, well, won't you just go home for the weekend and think about this? And uh, what he didn't know was Logan had come into the picture. And um, Logan had been talking to me for man probably a year like dude look you've got to make a move you got like yes i understand you make good money but if you're wanting to pursue this like you need to pursue it and we were actually gonna do another business together um but this was gonna be the bridge i had a we had to wait a year to to be able to to get going with that other business and this loan service was going to be the bridge to hold me over for that year before we could crank up and do what we wanted to do. So for the, you know, I finally June 1st of 2016, 2017, June 1st of 2017, we made COB loan service official. We went, uh, full steam and I, had about 25 properties that I maintained. That was it. I mean, it was enough to support me and two part-time guys, and that's it. Um, a truck, a trailer, and two guys. Yeah, a truck, a trailer, and two guys. Um, now, before that, I had a Honda Accord, and I was mowing these yards on the side by putting a push mower. Look, look, you're, 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 you're big about painting pictures. So paint this in your mind. I had a 2008 Honda Accord. I had a weed eater brand push mower. It was green and yellow and I would fold the handles down and shove it in my trunk and I wouldn't be able to shut the trunk all the way. A trunk that smelled like deer because you had a cooler that 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 accidentally came open while you had yes yes a deer in there a a trunk that smelled like deer because some deer blood spilled in the trunk from hunting and also the floor mat smelled like fish because i had some fish that we caught deep sea fishing that spilled out in the floor mat so this this car was look it was the perfect machine for cutting yards Look, but I had Chris real quick. Sorry. This is what I hear. It, it just hit me. It just hit me. Right. You got all these people that are sitting there and they want to start a business, right? They want to go out and do something, but it's not the perfect time. I don't, I don't have the truck. I don't have the push mower. This man's driving around in the Honda Accord. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, that's the Corey. That's the ultimate proof of concept. <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. I had this Honda Accord with the weed eater push mower. I had my father-in-law at the time had bought me, um, he, he, he had stopped by a yard sale and saw this extension cord. And he was like, oh, I'll pick that up for Chris. 125 feet long, okay? 
pay like $5 for it. Well, they had an electric leaf blower there. And he was like, well, I got the extension cord. I'll buy him the leaf blower. So I had an electric leaf blower with a 125-foot extension cord that I would plug into their garage or their front porch and blow their property off after I mowed it. And I had a weed eater that broke down that you could put an edger attachment on it. And so I didn't have many pieces of equipment. I had three. This was before, <laughs> this was before I even got into hedge trimming and all that. Uh, when I finally got into hedge trimming, my in-laws bought me um, a Ryobi set that runs off of battery um, so that I could trim the hedges. And I started with those electric hedge trimmers, the electric leaf blower with a, with a 125-foot extension cord, the breakdown weed eater, and that push mower. And I packed it in that Honda Accord until we went official and then I, that's when I bought a truck, a trailer. And even then I went and bought a regular tractor style riding mower, um, because I couldn't, I couldn't afford a zero turn yet. Um, and I didn't have enough business really to, to justify it. Um, and so we went that, that level and we went as long as we could. And we just kept, you know, trying to pick up yards, trying to pick up yards, and then finally I bought my first zero turn and uh, picked up more yards and picked up more properties. Uh, the good thing about it was I started in June. Everybody needs their grass cut. But when September and October came and the grass cutting ended, we tanked. We went straight down because we didn't prepare for the winter months. I was living in the moment like, man, this business is going to be awesome. Um, so when the winter rolled around, I had to start digging into savings to keep everything going. I couldn't pay my mama to let me come get the leaves off her yard or clean her gutters. That's how bad business was that first winter. Um, and so I knew I couldn't let my, my employees go. So during that time we were remodeling a house. And so me and Shane, who was the first person I hired was Shane Swick. Um, and he worked for us for, uh, he worked for us up until last year. So he worked for us for two or three years. Uh, <clears throat> but that first winter, um, I, man, he was, this fellow was laying tile floors with me. He was, he was building decks and uh, painting at my house. I mean, anything I could do to keep him busy. Um, ended up cashing out my 401k because I had to keep the business going. I wasn't going to, I was not going to fail at all costs. This business was going to succeed. So the next spring rolls around in the meantime, during the winter, I would go just knock on businesses. I would just knock on their door, leave a card. I would put out door hangers. I would, it didn't matter. Early spring, I would look for a business that hadn't had their yard cut yet. And I would walk in there and give them a business card. Um, so that first spring we signed on five or six good size contracts and everything picked up and it took off. Um, and from then on, it was just a matter of getting the equipment we needed to keep up with the flow of business that was coming in. Now we were heavy on maintenance. So that means, a lot of expenses because we're buying gas and blades and, you know, weed eater string and oil and all that stuff. So 
but when it took off, it took off and we just held on to it and tried to keep it all together. And, um, it, it went on for about two years from start to that point. And then Logan, me and Logan started having conversations through all that of, Hey, look, you know, maybe we need to push our other idea out to the side. If this thing's really going to go like it's going now that you're in season two, you know, if we can just kind of dial this thing in and make it as efficient as possible, maybe you got something right here. And so we would, that's when me and him started sitting down on the weekends and we started sitting down any extra time that we had um, and just discussing it and discussing where it could go and, uh, you know, what, how can we grow? What, what, what do we need to do next? And um, Logan actually found the opportunity for barefoot loans out of Oxford. Um, and he approached me about it and was like, Hey man, what do you think about getting into Oxford? And he knew like we had discussed, you know, man, if we can get into Oxford, there's a market over there. That's, you know, that's, there's not as many people competing for our services over there. Um, in Tupelo, you've got a lot of people that are big names in town. There's four or five big name companies in town, but you also have a lot of firemen, policemen, um, people that work at UPS. You've got people that work at Walmart, DC, security managers, Se cutting yards on yeah, the side, out the Honda Accords. Yeah. You've got Honda Accords riding around with a, with a lawnmower that looks like they just picked it up off of, you know, trash day Still and joiner. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of competition in Tupelo and Oxford. There's, there's not as, as much competition over there. Um, and so we started talking about, okay, how do we expand into Oxford? Do we start from scratch? Do we, um, you know, do we just try to pick up yards over there and run a crew over there from Tupelo? Um, is there an opportunity to buy somebody out? Um, and we just happened to find the right deal. Logan, uh, Logan found it and was like, Hey man, what do you think about this? It's like, well, you know, at the time I was just kind of like, well, I don't, I don't really know, man. I mean, what do you think about it? He was like, it's worth a conversation. <laughs> and, and he said it, he said it so smooth that I was just like, all right, set it up. I'm down. <laughs> and so we go over there and we, we have dinner with these guys and, um, you know, we, we, got we got all the information we needed beforehand so that when we went to dinner we could make a decision and so we were sitting there with this guy and uh mid-conversation i just look across the table and i and i shoot an offer at him verbally <laughs> in the middle of conversation the middle unrehearsed everybody's kind of beating around the bush and we'd never met this guy before and chris just leans back and just throws out that amount of money you could buy a house for. <laughs> and this guy was like, eh, you know, I'd take a little more than that. And we had a handshake deal walking out. Yeah. So, no. um, yeah. So just threw it at him. Well, I mean, you had, you had to see where he was, Yeah. you know, like, look, man, we didn't drive over here and decide to spend three and a half hours with you just for a dinner. Um, you know, we, we came to see what, what the, um, you know, what the possibilities were. And so we threw that out at him and he just kind of was like, no, nah, that ain't enough. We just went right back to talking. And, um, and then he was like, all right guys, well, you know, I, I guess it's getting late. And so we finally were like, okay, look, here's your final, here's, here's the final offer. Like 
we have to get in Oxford. Um, we would like to, you know, we'd like to buy your business, but you know, our mindset was we're coming to Oxford either way. I we, think Chris said we're going to buy trucks and trailers or we're going to buy a business. So. Yeah. And, and I may, have, I may have been that direct with him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you probably were. It's all right. Yeah, it, it could have happened. Um, and so, um, when he, when he stood up from the table, he looked at us, he he shook our hands and he said, guys, I tell you what, I'm going to call y'all tomorrow. We're going to get all this squared away. We're like, okay, we get in the truck and we're just looking at each other. Like, man, did, did we just buy a business with a handshake? Like, did that really just happen? And so the whole way home, we were, we were like halfway stoked about it. Halfway thinking, what was that guy thinking? And halfway like okay look now the work really we, we gotta starts. come we gotta come up with some money because the money wasn't <laughs> yeah. there yeah the money wasn't there we just made an offer and the guy took us up on it and then we we're just on the way home we we're like okay where's this money coming from um so and 15 days later we closed on that business yeah 15 days later we closed on it um logan came in um and started putting his efforts on that business as much as he possibly could. Uh, we grew that business in the first year, probably 40, yeah, 40%. 40%. Um, and that was with very little attention to it, very little, uh, hands on. Um, and then, so fast forward a couple months later, uh, Jason Tubb approaches or, or gives me a call on a, I think it was a Friday afternoon. I was building a fence and he calls me. I was like, uh, Hey man, uh, does anybody do any design work for you? And I was like, no man, no, we don't do design work. And he was like, well, if you ever need a, a design done, I'd like to partner with you just to do designs only. I was like, okay, that'd be real cool. He was like, well, let's get lunch next week. I said, okay. So I didn't think anything else about it. Sunday, Sunday night, uh, my wife asked me to go to the gas station and buy her some candy. And so on my way, I get a text message that says, Hey man, give me a call. If you're not busy, I have something for you to pray about. And I was like, like me and Jason didn't know each other. We'd ran into each other at the nursery a time or two spoke once, but didn't know anything about each other. And so I was like, man, I wonder, if, I wonder like it wasn't even that I, you know, I didn't know him, so it wasn't like, well, you know, I wonder what he's wanting me to pray about. Um, it was just one of those things where, like, all of a sudden, I was like, I wonder if this guy's okay. Because I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And he reached out to me to to pray about something. I was like, well, I'm calling him right now. Like, we're going to – I really, like, genuinely felt like something was wrong with him. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, man, what's up? Like, is everything good? He was like – yeah, me and my wife have been talking and praying for, you know, a couple months and um we don't know why, but your your name came to mind. Like we want to sell the business. Um he was looking to do more design work and less of the labor work. Um he was like, I don't I don't know you. You don't know me. You may think this is crazy. You may not want to do anything with my business. You may not even like my business. He was like, I don't know. But every time we prayed about it, your name kept popping back up. He was like, so I had to get your number and I had to reach out to you. 
I just had to be obedient and see what it was with, you know, with you coming to mind every time we prayed. And I was like, man, like, I don't even know what to think. You're calling me, asking me to buy your business that's been around for eight years. Um, and here I am. We're just, we're just a small guy in town. You know, at this point, we're, we're not even close to the radar. Um, and so um, he was like, look, you know, pray about it. Talk to your wife about it. Um, you know, give me a call back whenever y'all, whenever y'all uh, talk about it. And, and if y'all want to talk some more, then we'll meet and, and talk. And, and I told him before I got off phone, I said, yeah, I'm going to talk to my wife when I get home tonight, but I'm going to call my business partner as soon as I get off the phone with you. And he was like, oh, okay. And I, he, he didn't know that Logan was involved. And so I get off the phone. I call Logan. I was like, Logan, Logan, listen to this. And I start telling him about it. And he was like, man, when you want to meet with this guy, you think, what do you think, you know, is you think his business is big or little or, you know, we just started like, we had a million questions for each other that neither one of us knew the answer to. And we're like, okay, all right. So I get home and I put him and Sadie's with him and uh, me and Livy and Sadie and Logan. I remember walking back in the house. I give Livy her, her bag of candy and I have Logan on the speakerphone and she's like, Chris, it's nine 30 at night. What are you and Logan talking about? And I was like, Livy, listen to this. <laughs> and so like, we're over here conference calling over uh, cornerstone and Livy finally rolls over and she's like, guys, just go talk with him. See, see, see what he has to say. Just go talk with him. So we set up a meeting and we meet with him several times and we ended up, you know, we ended up buying his business and worked out a deal where, and, and you know, Jason as well, since uh, you've been uh, working with us and, and coaching with us. And so we set up a deal where he designs and, um, and, and handles some of the sales and, I handle the operations of the business, uh, scheduling and execution. Um, and we've been, so we, we've been here lately. We've been trying to make uh, a lot of improvements to personnel and, and key personnel so that we can continue to grow and continue to keep up with the amount of business that's coming in uh, or the amount of phone calls. And, you know, it just, it seems like, every day we get five, 10 more phone calls. Um, and to go from where we were five years ago, where I'm having to go out looking for all the business and, you know, I may put out a thousand door hangers and get five phone calls to now probably the last six months, maybe even year, we haven't put out a, well, I take that back. We have put out some door hangers. I think we put out between Oxford and Tupelo, we've put out about a thousand door hangers since September. Um, but since spring started, we have not, we haven't put out door hangers. We haven't gone beating down doors looking for business. Now the business has reversed to where it's coming to us instead of us working to find, you know, where's the next job at. Um, so I think the the, perse the perseverance and the grinding and just getting out there and 
put your head down and keep working on it. Um, we're at a point now where we're, we're seeing that, you know, our hard work for the last two or three years that nobody really saw um, is now paying off for us. Um, and it's allowing us to actually focus on the business and driving the business because we're not having to go figure out where the next job is. It's the next job is coming to us. Um, and so that's how we kind of got from the Honda Accord to where we are now. Um, you know, we've, we've got the two businesses. Yeah. So we, you know, February of this year, February of this year, I believe, is when we merged all three. January. January of this year, we merged all three together. Kept the name, rebranded, changed logos. Um, we're in the process now of of uh, putting new logos on all the fleet trucks so that everything matches. Um, you know, we're trying to get everything uniform and make everything match, even in Oxford. Um, so it's – we. we we offer a whole lot more now than when we started five years ago. I mean, it's been complete transfer transformation on the business side. Um, really when I got into it five years ago, I was looking at, Hey, look, I'll mow your yard. I'll rake your leaves. I'll clean your gutters. I'll blow your roof off. I'll trim some trees up for you. I'll, you know, put some pine straw or mulch out. And now it's, you know, we have a landscape designer on staff that if, if, a customer needs a design for new install or ripping out all the old stuff and reinstall or irrigation drainage, retaining walls, patios, pergolas, arbors, you name it. Um, you name it, it can be done. Um, and so just, we've, we've been able to add a lot more, uh, a lot more service options and it's, it, it's really turned into something. Yeah. Um, it's been awesome to watch you watch you grow, man. Uh, I've enjoyed seeing it, and, and before I started working with you guys, seeing it from a different perspective, and I, I think it's been pretty amazing. Uh, I think your story is awesome too. We've gone on a long journey right there with you know your background and your um, and and growing up from there and fatherhood and uh, to where you guys are now. And I I just wrote down a couple of nuggets that I. I think we could really dig in deep on a lot of those things, but I want to hit you with a couple of rapid fire to wrap it up. I'm going to ask one and I, Logan's got two that he likes to ask, but I want to tell you a couple of things that I took away from your story right there is one is you can't allow your past. Uh, you can't use that as an excuse, right? You may not have been responsible for your environment growing up, but now you are responsible for it going forward, right? And as you grew your business, you were always open to opportunity. It was always, it's worth the conversation, right? It's at least worth uh, checking it out. And uh, knowing your priorities, keeping those priorities right, knowing when to shut it off. And then um, I picked up a lot on doing what is necessary. What's necessary? What, is, what do I need to do? And then being willing to do that. So I, I thought that was really good stuff. So Chris, rapid fire, real quick. I'm going to ask one and then Logan's got two. He likes to ask. He's got two of the best questions I've ever heard. So um, number one, who has been the most impactful person on your life? Who's made the greatest impact on you? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to have to say, it's 
my wife has had a huge impact because um, there were some times where things were rough through the winter when we were first getting started. There were some some things really, really tough that we had to deal with. And she never once told me to shut the business down and go back to work. She always looked at me and said, how are we going to do this? And I would, t- I gave her this answer more times than I can count. I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. Um, the second most impactful person is Logan. Uh, Logan has, Logan has been there through some tough struggles for me. Um, he, I've, I've told him he's, he, he, even though I grew up with a family full of brothers, he's a, he is a brother to me. Um, and, uh, he's, he's seen my good days. He's seen my success. He's seen some major failures in my life. Um, he's seen some bad days, but he's always been, he's always been him. Um, and, and I know what I'm getting when, when I need to, to look for Logan or when, when Logan is coming to me, I know what I'm going to get. And it, it, he's him every single time. So he, he's made a huge impact. Mm-hmm. And then the third person is Corey Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Corey Lee. Yeah. Open, opening up the mind and pouring gasoline in it. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for the kind words and I echo the sentiments. Uh, one, one of the, one other nugget that I don't want to leave, uh, or, or one observation and one nugget. Um, Chris started his story with, um, that their life was simple, but they were happy. They just went outside to play in the dirt and had a good time. Yeah. And now he's just playing in the dirt, having a good time. Yeah. So, you know, how far we've come to really not go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> we've gone that's, a long way, but true. Chris is still, Chris he's is still playing in the dirt and he's having a good time. True. Uh, Chris, Chris is, he's, he's always got a good attitude. Um, he doesn't complain. Uh, and, and I think that's, uh, that's a really good quality. Um, you know, he's, consistent in the work that he puts in. Um, and that's what generates good outputs, um, is that the, the work is always going in. Uh, the other thing is, uh, I think one common thread, uh, that all of us could, could do a better job of and that has served him well is there haven't been any jobs that he's been too proud to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he took a call and drove down to Louisiana to, to go try his hand at, at baseball on short notice. Boom. He's there. Yeah. Opportunities knocking. He answered the door. Didn't go anywhere, but you know, he saw that opportunity out. Be a security guard for minimum wage. Well, got to start somewhere and not being tr- too proud to take that opportunity allowed him to, uh, I mean, he went from seven twenty five to 1150 really quick. I mean, that's a 50% raise. That's a, that's a, when you're making 725 going to 1150 is that's a big deal. Hey, I got a uh, cheeseburger once a week then. That, you know, that's a, that, that's a big deal. Um, and then getting to the point where he's managing five, $7 million a year in revenue, um, managing 150, 200 people. Um, those things gave him the tools to be able to logistically handle the business that he runs today. Um, none of those things happen, but, you know, starting a business, 
mowing grass out of the back of a Honda Accord, you know, who does that? Uh, but not being too proud to say yes to opportunities, people get derailed before their opportunity gets started because they're too proud to, to take the pay cut or to, to go out and, and do what's necessary. Uh, putting in the work and not being too proud to do things uh, have really served him, him well. And that's why, you know, no matter what the ups or the downs are, he'll continue to do well because the input is always going to be there and the humility is going to be there to do what's necessary. Um, so rapid fire to bring it to a close in the past five years, what is one thing that you absolutely knew to be true in business or life that you came to realize was actually not true? Oh, <laughs> um, what I knew to be true. That was not true. That everybody is, is actually looking out for you. Like not everyone has your best interests in mind. That's, you know, I've seen it time and time again. People can tell you, oh, man, I got you. I'm looking out for you. Not everybody's looking out for you, but I also didn't want to put that in somebody else's hands. Like, no, no, no. It's okay. I'll look out for me and I'll look out for my family. Thank you if you want to look over us, but you don't have to look out for us. Like I'm, I will take, I'll take that responsibility. Um, but that's probably one of the biggest things is not everybody has the best interests uh, for you in mind. I think that was very similar to, to one of the ones that I said, which was that you have to follow people's incentives. Um, so, and, and you learned that lesson with, your your area vp or his supervisor the the president of that division saying hey you're never going to do better than this opportunity right um if you had a billboard that everyone in the world would see what would it say hmm. i'm gonna have to say if i could put a picture on it it would be a picture of me on a mower with my daughters and it would probably say, take time to do the small things. Mm, that's um, <clears throat> because even though we've seen good success so far, and we're, we're still early in our business, um, but we've seen more success than what I had originally imagined five years ago. And I think more than what you imagined five years ago. Um, we still have to take the time to do the, the small things and, um, you know, being present. And Corey, I think we talked about this, uh, in the past is, um, you know, be present. My, my wife, um, when, when things get like, this is our peak season right now. So, you know, it's a lot of me having to wrangle in materials and jobs and blah, blah, blah. But, um, there are times where Livy has to remind me, Hey, be present, be present. Um, and she's a hundred percent correct. And I need that reminder. Um, but those are the small things just, you know, be present. And, and for anybody that, um, is starting a business, I get it. It's a struggle when you're starting it off and getting it going. You feel like you have to work on it 24 seven, or you feel like this is my baby. 
And if I'm not working on it, it's not growing. Um, and I get that to a certain extent, but there are times where you have to, you have to detach from it and get away from it so that you can actually do better for it. Yeah. That's good, man. Chris, really appreciate you coming on and, and adding value. I, I really enjoyed it. It added value to me and thank you guys for taking the listen. Chris, if somebody wanted to reach out to you to find out more about what you guys do, or Hey, they wanted their yard cut or wanted to know about one of those arbors, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Um, so they can, they can email C Bennett at uh, cornerstonelandscapesms.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Visit our website at www.cornerstonelandscapesms.com or give me a phone call, 662-397-2201. Man, gives out a cell phone. Here we go. That's the kind of service you're going to get, y'all. That's hey, the family business right the there. the family business, man. It'll always be the family business. That's it. My cell phone will be on it. Very nice. Well, Logan, you want to close us out? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one last thing. Uh, Got a mug here from Midnight Pottery. It says, good morning from Tupelo. Compliments of Jennifer. Um, go see Jennifer. Go see Midnight Pottery. Support your local businesses now that uh, some of the guidelines have, list, have, have lifted. Uh, they need our, need our support right now. Um, so spend your money with local businesses in Tupelo. Thanks so much for spending your time with us today. As you go about your day, remember to ask yourself, as a parent, child, sibling, business owner, customer, boss, teammate, would you recommend yourself, audit yourself, and change your life? Hey guys, and if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, take a moment, please subscribe, give us a rate and review on your listening platform, and hey, we value your feedback, and it helps others find us. Are you ready for this?